welcome to the news and why it matters. I am Sarah Gonzalez. Uh, Glenn, what was the top story today? Oh, I'm going to save it. I'm going to save it. I'll share in just a minute. Go ahead, Stu. Okay. What's your top story? I'm scared. <laughs> Other than some uh, really awful conspiracy theorists that we'll get to maybe later on in the program. <laughs> I have uh, I have a story about uh, the uh, Democrats have a little Bernie problem. There's a little Bernie problem going on there. I don't know how they're going to solve it, but uh, we're going to go through exactly what it means. Uh, and I think it actually is kind of important for them, at least. Hmm. All right. Andrew. Uh, Donald Trump has a challenger. <laughs> yes. Primary challenge. Get ready, Republican Party. Here it goes. <laughs> All right, a lot to get into there, but first we want to thank our sponsor, American Financing. American Financing is a place that you need to go if you are looking for a loan, consolidation loan, a refi loan, or a new mortgage. They can get you qualified within 10 minutes. They don't work for the banks, they work for you. They don't take the money, um, you know, the kickbacks from the banks. Look, we really need people to get into this loan. That's what caused the problem in 2008. They weren't doing it in 2005, 6, 7, or 8, and they're not doing it now. They work for you. If you want the right loan for your family, call the number that's at the bottom of the screen or go to AmericanFinancing.net, AmericanFinancing.net. All right. Glenn, uh, you're, you're surprised? May I, may I kindly? Yeah. Andrew, right before we come on the set, Andrew comes in, and he said, Glenn, I just want you to know I really respect you, but I'm going to have to disagree with you on the air, and I don't want to blindside you. I don't want it to be a setup or a gotcha. Very nice. Very nice. Thank, thank, thank you. Yes, thank you. Very nice and I said, fine, what, you know, I'm easy with that. That's cool. What's it about? And what did you say exactly? The first thing, because I misunderstood it at first. And I was well, like, I, well, I said I, I strongly disagreed with you on your take on Notre Dame. Okay, I didn't, uh, maybe then I didn't hear the Notre Dame thing. Because I'm thinking, I don't know what, I, what he's even talking about, but, but we'll go for it. And then he started saying, well, the Hill had reported that you are blaming Muslims <laughs> uh, for Notre Dame. And I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> My frustration was not going towards Andrew. It's for the press. I despise how lazy the press is. All they had to do, call me. All they had to do, listen to this show yesterday. Listen to the context yesterday. They could read my tweets. They could listen to my show. Stu, what was the first thing we did today? Uh, debunking conspiracy theorists that were saying that Muslims were responsible for That Notre was the Dame. first thing. <laughs> I opened the show up with, wow, you know, look, look what happened yesterday. But I want you to know, Jason, all last night, was going online to find the conspiracy theories so we can debunk them. We were the only one debunking these people. And now they say that I am a conspiracy theorist. Let's, before I, before, if you missed yesterday's show, you missed where this came from. But apparently, and congratulations, Sarah, this is the first time this show is, is trending nationally. <laughs> Thank you. Always for I good reasons. Appreciate all that. in law, all in lies, but what's new? Newsweek, which I don't think is news, and it's not a magazine anymore. It's sold for a dollar. So that's how much it's worth. Not, the, not each individual copy, but the entire company. <laughs> the entire company, <laughs> yes. yes thank you. A dollar. Yeah. Okay, so Newsweek, Glenn Beck compares Notre Dame fire to 9-11. This is their World Trade Center moment. 
What did I mean by that? I explained it on the air yesterday. I explained it on the air this morning. Well, mm-hmm. they would have had to actually do some digging to yeah. actually watch the entirety. Right. They'd have to. They'd have to watch. Uh, they'd have to actually work, mm-hmm. and listen for a full five minutes, mm-hmm. or read the tweet that I had sent out. What? That's amazing. What was it? What, I what mean, did I mean by you that? You were comparing two iconic buildings falling down in a in a fire, and not just They're any on fire, building. Then falling down. If it was just any building, yep. it, I never said that with the with the tower in um, in London. Remember that uh, that apartment building that oh, burned right. down? Yeah, sure. Never said that was their 9/11. No. Never no. did. No. Why? Do we have? Did we ever find the the uh, video of the World Trade Center? Do we have that? And the spire. Okay, look it. Seem familiar at all? Right. You can certainly this see is, how it's, it's obviously a different event, but it's reminiscent. Yes, but it's a it's, it's an iconic movie. I said building, yes. I said on the air this morning, and I think I said in a tweet yesterday, or or on this program, maybe I'm the only one. But as I watch that spire collapse because of the history mm-hmm. and the meaning of that building. Okay, there was nobody in this building, thank God. We thought there were 50,000 plus in the World Trade Center when that thing came down, if you remember right. We had no idea. So this building is not as iconic as Notre Dame. Yesterday on this show, I tried to say, what, what, what could it be? Maybe the White House, the capital that is as American as Notre Dame is France, is, is about France, uh, France. So... I just know that when I saw a building on fire in flames and it collapsed like that and it meant so much to us, it was like a sock to the soul of Americans. On 9-11, we didn't know who did it. We had no idea who did it. We didn't know until, I think, 9-12, they started to speculate. We had no idea. We were standing together. We were hugging each other. We were asking each other how they were. It was 9-11 we were afraid, 9-12 we reunited. Then, after that, we started to get bit down to business and find out who did it, and we kicked their butts. That's what happened. On 9-11, we had this collective, oh my gosh, we're losing everything. We're, who, what's, our, our society is so fragile. Yesterday, when I saw that burn, that's almost a thousand years of history. And at the time, they thought it was all going to be lost. What does that... I know what that means to me. What does that feel like in France? I also, yesterday on this program, said, do you know how bad it will be if it is Islamic terror? Because I said in 2016, that building will be burned to the ground. That's a target. It's 2015, actually. 2015. Mm -hmm. What did I say, Stu, on the air today that about how glad I was that it wasn't Islam. Yeah, no, you were very clear about that. I and mean, I said it was a blessing mm-hmm. because I do believe that building was a target. This will oh, take it, it off the target list. It has nothing to do with believing it was a target. It, it was, was a, target a target multiple times. It was a target. Yeah. It was a target. So, I mean, it, I mean, it's not illogical or unreasonable as soon as something happens, knowing that it was a target, it has been a target in the past, to say... But I never said that. No. We did say it was a possibility, but we did think that it was 
We also discussed yes. the yellow vests as a possibility. Yes. I mean, like you know, everyone's you're just you're you're uh, the, right. There's speculation, and I don't think that that's necessarily always the best thing to do. But I mean, no, but we but we again know, we were we talking about we it in know. context. Yeah, of, I agree. The only reason why I said that is because in 2015 I had said this is a prime target. Because they were saying it. I will say the first thing that I thought of when I saw it on fire was remembering you saying that it was a target and it was something that it could be destroyed. And I remember you saying you had a trip to Europe uh, this past year and you said you were worried uh, you wanted to get there before things like this had burned down. I mean, yeah, it was. I said to, I said to my kids last, last year, last fall, we started planning a trip and I said, I want to go to Paris. I want to go to Paris because I want you all to be able to walk in Notre Dame because there's coming a time where you will not be able to see it. So I believed that in my heart. I didn't see that it would happen through construction. (laughs) (laughs) Who did? Neither did they, obviously. (laughs) Mm. But this, this taking of my words and twisting them for your own political... I mean, who, who are you besides lazy, Newsweek? Who is The Hill? You read it on The Hill. And Politico, who the hell are you? Do you do an ounce of work? Do you engage your brain at all? Or are you just, I know who clown is. I will put red nose on clown. No, is that all it is with you? It's 100% that, right? I mean, like, I, you know, the, the, the average person is not going to watch the entire show. And I would say the average reporter who's reporting it. I mean, I, I don't... I, did you know, the, you did know the why? Hill, because they've already made up their mind. Yes, they've made up their mind. And so, the you know, like someone like The Hill or whoever it was, Politico, I don't think those were the first people who saw it. So what they're doing is just reporting on other reports, right? The initial report, uh, uh, I, I don't know exactly where it came from. I think it was a you know, typical site that didn't like you or whatever. And it, when, when those things start, typically they come with the addition of the ill intent, right? Like, they, they know that they're lying. They know what they're saying isn't true. They put it out there. They, they excise all the context. They take out... They don't put the tweet in there. They don't put in your other coverage. They don't mention any of the other things that you said. They just and make it look as worse as possible to try to, to obviously, right. hurt someone they think is evil. And, and so everyone else is just lazily reporting on the initial report, which is even more embarrassing in my mind. And all they have to do is just get that one sound clip just get that one sound clip. Yeah, I'm comparing it to 9-11. Yes, I did. You, what you're saying that means is not what I said it yeah. meant. It's just like they've done this to me before. I was at a fundraiser. One I, I started, and it was for New Orleans. This is years oh, and years God, ago. Yeah. And I started a fundraiser. We were out someplace raising money, and I don't know how much money we raised. Nobody else was doing this. On, on talk radio, nobody was doing this. Over $100,000, yeah. remember, right? And, and I'm young in my career. We, we do these fundraisers. It's the, it's the day that they started shooting at the helicopters. Do you remember people were starting to shoot at the helicopters? The, yeah, I remember those reports. Yeah, those really bad guys on the street. And I said, whatever you do, whatever you do, don't close your hearts. Just because a few... People are doing this. Don't close your hearts. That's not the people of New Orleans. And I said a good example, because there had been uh, stories in the news that around that time about the 9-11 people. And I said, it's like, it's like if you look at one person who's a 9-11 family member who's always saying, I want money, I want this, I want that. You could, you could grow to hate the 9-11 victims, but you'd be wrong. It's that one person, not everybody else. 
see people as individuals. Michael Moore has made probably a million dollars on saying that I hate 9-11 victims. Surely he gave it all to the 9-11 victims. I'm sure, sure. he did. Don't, don't worry sure. about uh, it. Andrew, you started this. I feel like you have to weigh in here. <laughs> I'm going to go take so much blood thinner <laughs> finish today's thing. Um, uh, yeah, it... Uh, I, I can't tell you how uncomfortable I feel. You shouldn't, but I appreciate well, and like, it. And I, like, I, I am sorry because I, like, I read that and like, I, you know, I, if, I, if I, it was from like, you know, uh, leftwing.gotelescope.com <laughs> right. or whatever it is, right. I would kind of dismiss it. But when I, when I read it, I was like, oh, wow. Like it, it presented it as if what you were saying was uh, this is a flashpoint between Islam and the West, and they burned it down. And like, thank God it isn't. Thank God. I said today on the radio at like seven thirty, long before all of this stuff. I said on the radio, this is a blessing from God because if if Al Qaeda, if Al Qaeda or ISIS or anybody else would have gone in and blown that up, set that on fire, it would have been a horrific flashpoint. Now it's been taken off the table without completely destroyed. Now it can't be a flashpoint. It's taken that tool away out of their toolbox. Amen. Praise the Lord. That's great news. I, uh, I listened to your roundup of Game of Thrones today. <laughs> I wish that I'd come 10 minutes earlier. <laughs> 15 minutes earlier might yeah. have been good. Yeah. Okay. your synopsis, Stu. Thank you. I thought I nailed it. I thought I nailed it. Back in a minute. <laughs> So there's goatee guy, and then there's blondie. blondie. Before we uh, start talking about crazy Bernie, uh, I want to thank our sponsor, Relief Factor. Glenn, I feel like if this is Relief a day. Factor just double up today. <laughs> if Holy Factor crap! Just worked on like uh, blood thinners. <laughs> <laughs> I take lots of blood. I'm going to take gallons of blood thinners. Uh, Relief Factor uh, will help keep you out of pain. It has me and 70% of the people who try it. I invite you to try it. Um, I didn't for a long time. I would watch the commercials, and everybody here was cutting commercials, and I'd be like, suckers. And I, I, I mean, I just don't, I believe if it doesn't have, if Dow Chemical hasn't had something to do with that, it's not going to. It's not going to be a good drug. That's the point. This isn't a drug. This just works to reduce the inflammation in your body, and it does work. It has for me. I take it three times a day, every single day, and it makes a huge difference. So try it. ReliefFactor.com. All right, Stu, you said Bernie Sanders is, is a problem for the Democrats. There is a Bernie problem going okay, on uh, with Bernie. the Democratic Party. And, you know, you know this, the establishment, of course, not, not big Bernie fans. They don't think that Bernie gives them the best chance to beat Donald Trump. Is he uh, one of the five that's in the AOC group, according to Pelosi? Yeah, I guess he probably, uh, yeah. he kind of Or is that another that group? Yeah, I don't know. Um, so, I mean, and, I, and this is kind of against the polling. The polling actually is pretty favorable for Bernie, though when people start taking him seriously as a potential president, I wonder if that will change. I don't think 
when Clinton, I think everyone assumed Clinton was going to win last year, so his polling held up throughout this entire time. I, I literally bought uh, stock in Smith & Wesson, assuming that she was going to win and oh, really? gun prices were going to yeah. shoot up. <laughs> Next day I had to dump all that. Yeah. I love that play. That's great. Uh, so anyway, uh, you know, Bernie's an issue. And so how are they going to deal with it? There's a lot of establishment stuff. The people who probably reported your uh, nonsensical uh, you know, controversy of the day uh, was Media Matters. The guy who started that is a big Clinton guy, and he's, he's launching an anti-Bernie effort inside the Democratic Party now. So this this civil war is going to be like, it's going to be popcorn. It's watch that on watch. Twitter because it's, yeah, there's a lot of very anti-Bernie Democrats. Yeah, who, yeah. And, uh, you know, there's there's things to appreciate about Bernie. But, but you know, if, you, if your only goal is to beat Donald Trump, which I think that's what the Democrats are, where they are right now, Bernie may not be the best uh, solution, but he's got some good, uh, some good fundamentals. We have the latest uh, fundraising totals in. We'll go through those real quick. Point out a few things about it you know, from last place. Wayne Messam, I don't think he's going to win. I hate to say that he's only raised $100,000. Uh, Julian Castro, 1.3. Uh, Marianne Williamson, 1.5. Uh, John Delaney, 1.7. He's interesting in just that uh, he's, if you see, he's got $1.7 million raised, but $10.6 million on hand. That's because he's given himself $16 million. Uh, he's very wealthy. And has been running since July of 2017, and wow, you probably and didn't I'm, even know it. I'm wondering uh, who the hell he even exactly. is. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's not. Good comedian move. Yeah. John Mulaney. Uh, Who's Wayne Messam? Uh, Wayne Messam is the mayor of Miramar, Florida, uh, <laughs> who has announced he's running for president. Didn't know him. Didn't know Miramar. <laughs> but didn't Florida. know this mysterious <laughs> new city in Florida needed a mayor. There we go. They did, apparently. Uh, Tulsi Gabbard, 1.9. Uh, Hickenlooper, 2 million. Again, we're in the same area. Uh, Jay Inslee, 2.3 million. We kind of get to the higher tier here with uh, Andrew Yang at 2.4, which is pretty impressive, actually, for Yang. If yeah. you step back, I mean, nobody knew who he was uh, very recently. Gillibrand at three. However, big uh, transfer from her Senate campaign. So she mm-hmm. has 10 million on hand. Uh, Cory Booker at 5 million. Then you've got. That's 5 million down the old crap. Klobuchar <laughs> <laughs> at 5.2 million. Then Elizabeth Warren, $6 million. Interesting thing about Warren here is she still has $11 million on hand. Almost all of that comes from her transfer from her Senate campaign. She's the one that's spending the most, though. You see, she's already she made, she's taken in $6 million, already spent five point three. All that other money. What? I know, on what? And on she's what? In, like, you know, I mean, she's not DNA tests. Well. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> one after the other. It's all she's 23 hoping. and me. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe this time. <laughs> Watch, uh, gone with the winter, yeah. yeah. A few more. Buttigieg is obviously something that is, uh, that is a surprising number. Forget the fact that he's having a bump in the polls and he's having his moment. The Buttigieg thing, I, we talked about this very early on, Glenn. If you remember, he's got underground Obama-era support. They, Obama mentioned him as an up-and-comer a long time ago, and they, the people in that administration, he's got legitimate like establishment re- uh, support from that side. I think he might end up being the guy that runs against Trump. And his his demeanor is so uh, is so much the antithesis uh, antithesis if I could say the word of Trump that you know it's there's going to be a real See, yeah, that's the that's the black thing. and white option. Th- that's why and and if if you're a Democrat, turn this off. <laughs> uh, that's why I think he'll be effective because you don't fight fire with fire. They keep saying you know yeah. uh, you don't want Biden can go Biden can go head to head and toe to toe. Well, yeah, but he's the world champion at that. You go in with somebody who can just look at him and genuinely, Clinton couldn't put this off, just go, wow, that's sad that we've come down to this. Okay, l- listen, this is what, you know, if he just goes on the attack and Buttigieg can laugh it off, be genuine, just Harry, go, yeah. wow, 
You fight fire with water, mm-hmm. not fire. Uh, last few here as we go up the list. Uh, Beto had 9.4. Interesting thing with him is almost all of it came on like on like day one. Mm-hmm. Uh, he did not fundraise well after day one. And, fizzled out. and the fizzling of the campaign seemed to be continue flailing, is what I like to say. <laughs> his arms and his campaign. Uh, and number two is Kamala Harris, uh, 12 million. She's had a nice smooth rollout. Uh, she's got lots of money. She's got lots of rich people who like her. She's not shy about taking their money. She makes a lot of money herself. They made over, she made over $2 million uh, last year. Um, her and her husband. Uh, and then number one is Bernie Sanders at $18.2 million. Now, two things you know about Bernie Sanders as we go into the Bernie problem for the Democrats is, number one, he can raise lots of money from small donors. He does not, he does not depend on the establishment to get his money, so he can raise lots of money from small donors. And number two, he doesn't care what the establishment says about him. Uh, you might note that he's not even a Democrat most of the time. Um, so he is, uh, he's not going to get pushed out of the campaign. Why I think this is interesting and why it could be a problem uh, when it comes to Bernie Sanders is... The way the structure, uh, the the race is actually structured for Democrats. So they have four first early states, uh, you know, typical Iowa, New Hampshire. They go to Nevada third, I believe, and then South Carolina fourth. So those first four happen. And, you know, things shake up. You might have Bernie win one state. You might have Biden win Mm -hmm. one state. You might have somebody else win another state. But, you know, at that point, things haven't shaken out. And people are all going to be looking. we got to at least make it to Super Tuesday, right? Well, Super Tuesday is three days after South Carolina. So you are... Right there, and at the end of South Carolina, 40% of the delegates will already be handed out. So everyone who's there is going to be thinking to themselves, well, I'm in this race already. I might as well go to Super Tuesday. Once you get to Super Tuesday, Bernie's going to have enough delegates to be competitive. He's going to have the money to stay in the race. And these other candidates are, too. I mean, if you look at, you know, on Super Tuesday, you're going to have California, where Kamala Harris is from, Massachusetts, where Warren is from, Minnesota, where Klobuchar is from, uh, Vermont, of course, where Sanders is from. Then you've got one more week, and you've got another slew of states from Hawaii, where Gabbard is from. You've got, uh, uh, you've got Ohio, Washington, North Dakota, Missouri, Mississippi, Michigan. All these things start happening, and the way their structure is... Um, is it's it's not winner take all. They're all proportional. Mm-hmm. So they're gonna they're gonna just grind at these delegates. It's gonna be very difficult for someone to get to fifty percent with a field like this. That brings it to the convention. If it goes to the convention, the first ballot luck, likely will not be a fifty percent situation. Uh, and after that, it goes to super delegates. They start start coming in. Can you imagine Bernie Sanders again? You know, having this run where maybe he's got forty percent of the vote. And then it goes to the delegates, super delegates, and they take it away from him. I mean, the, the Bernie people, the Bernie Bros, might just burn the place down. So there's going to be a big problem yeah. for the Democratic Party's legitimacy if they do that. Yeah, real problem, especially after 2016, where you know, kind of a somewhat of a false narrative that he was he was really the rightful winner. I mean, you know, Debbie Wasserman Schultz is not does not have the uh, competence to move four million the, votes over to Ber- uh, away from Bernie Sanders. I love the fact that they did super delegates because of Ronald Reagan. They saw how Ronald Reagan completely changed the Republican Party, and so that's when the Democrats said we are going to do super delegates. They believe in the super delegate, while at the same time, oh, you got to get rid of that electoral college. Yeah, uh, that's, that's, a great that's fascinating. Point. Yeah. All right, back in a minute. Almost a shed of uh, inconsistency. Did you guys watch the uh, Bernie Sanders town hall? I did. Yeah. Did you? Yeah. I respect him a lot for doing it, actually. Yeah, I do, too. Mm-hmm. I do, too. A lot of interesting moments. Uh, let's watch one of them. 
your taxes do show that you're a millionaire. You did make a million in 2016, 2017. You're right, the 561 in 2018. But your marginal tax rate, tax rate was 26% because of President yeah. Trump's tax cuts. So why not say, you know, I'm leading this revolution. I'm not going to take those. <laughs> Come on. But there he, I am, I paid the taxes that I owe. And by the way, why don't you got Donald Trump up here and ask him how much he pays in taxes? Uh, that's a terrible N- Notice also that he's quit uh, quit making fun of millionaires. He just makes fun of billionaires now. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the last like, oh, 1%, that's now the point. 0.8% as opposed to the 1%. Yeah, that's just, that spin. Any time they ask uh, all of these Democratic candidates about something that they have said or done, it's like, but what about Donald Trump? I know. That's just their go-to for every single thing that they're asked. Yeah, I mean, I wish they didn't have that point to go to. I mean, they would say it about anybody, though. I mean, they said it about Bush. They said it about Romney. They say it about anybody. Uh, I honestly, I don't care how much people are making and he revealed how he revealed how against socialism is to human nature by saying, what was he saying? Are you kidding me? Right. I'm going to pay that. Why would I, Why would that? I pay that? Nobody's going to pay that. Really? <laughs> really? Unless the government says you're paying it. It's against human nature. All right, we've got much more to come in overtime, so stick with us on Belize TV. Up next, enjoy bonus overtime content from the news and why it matters. Available exclusively for podcast listeners and Blaze TV subscribers. Not a subscriber? Start your free trial at blazetv.com. All right. President Trump has a primary challenger. Mm-hmm. Andrew. Bill Weld is running against Donald Trump. There might be others. It's possible that Kasich will. Uh, Kasich is now, he's what, on CNN, I think? Or is he CBS? I can't remember what, what he's on. But yeah, he does have a TV gig at this point. Yeah, which it? normally they don't allow you to they don't allow you to flirt with becoming president and maintain a media, a media contributorship. However, he's doing that. Uh, but as of now, there's one challenger to Donald Trump announced uh, either yesterday or today. That's Bill Weld. He's a two-term governor from Massachusetts. Um, former VP of the Libertarian ticket in 2016, uh, and running against Trump, and uh, I'm excited. It's going to be fun. <laughs> Plus, like, I like the like uh, cool, poised, libertarian-leaning Republicans. Those are the Republicans I want running the Republican Party. Like, I would love it if like uh, 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 George will. Jeff Flake, Ben Sass, and the ghost of Barry Goldwater could come together <laughs> to, to like remold the, the Republican Party. I, I am incredibly displeased with the, the populist takeover of the Republican Party. I don't think Bill Weld's going to do super well. <laughs> I, hope he, I hope he proves me wrong. Uh, I, because I, I, I would uh, it'd be great if he were, uh, if, if he, if he takes the ticket, I'll vote Republican. That'd, that'd be awesome. I would love that to happen. <laughs> I'm well, going to say that that's yeah, I'm gonna not going to happen. He yeah. barely could get on the Libertarian ticket last <laughs> yeah. time. I mean, they, yeah. they basically uh, almost booed him off stage at the convention. Yeah. Uh, and and the, the other thing he's going to have to live down too is that he also like promised and swore up and down that he would not go back to being a Republican. <laughs> I mean, because the says, deal for him becoming a Libertarian was I will not like I am a Libertarian for life, capital L. Uh, and then, you know, about oh, four was, months later, yeah. decided he was a Republican again. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think, uh, I mean, obviously, I think we all know that Bill Weld has no chance of winning this nomination. Um, I mean, I, I think the competition... Well, it's, only, was, it's only a 70-point lead right now. Only 70? Wow. Which is actually pretty good. 30, 30, 30, 30 versus 70. He, can, he might be able to pull up is from it that. Is it 37? Because that's only a 40-point lead. Are you sure it's not, you know... Never mind. Okay. It's <laughs> a 70-point lead. 70-point lead, yeah. <laughs> uh, 
Um, it could be 70 to zero. I wouldn't be uh, stunned on that one, I guess. Um, I think like, you know, I think it, it would be interesting. I don't dislike competition in primaries. I like it. So I don't ever have a problem with more than one candidate. I don't think Weld is a legitimately serious candidate for this. I mean, he was, you know, he has accomplishments. Like he was, you know, he's, 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 he's not a, a nobody by any means. But, you know, I think he's going in there as like a, look, they got to have a chance uh, for someone else to vote for in, in this primary. He doesn't seem like he's, he's not, he's not going to be running a very well-funded campaign. Yeah. He's, you know, it's more of a quixotic uh, sort of... Uh, and, I, and I think Trump will actually really enjoy it, which is the, the yes. thing that bothers me, is I think Trump would love nothing more than running against a stuffed shirt. Yes, yes. And just, like, bashing him in like a, like a, a tent pole. But, yeah. uh, we, haven't, we haven't talked much third-party stuff, though. Have you heard the rumors of the Justin Amash potential third-party candidate? I hope that happens. I haven't. Yeah, oh, I mean, I... He's not denying it. He's like, well, I don't know. Like, he's kind of... And so he's a, obviously a Republican and a great Republican congressman. I, you know, I'm a big fan of his. Uh, Considering running a libertarian uh, challenge, uh, I don't know that he's seriously considering it, but people keep asking about it, and there's really no incentive to say no. The, the answer you always do is just say, "Well, I don't know," and you, and you keep that up until like November fourth, and then and then they're like, "Okay, are you going to be running?" No, I will not be running. I, I hope he runs because uh, I like Justin Amash tremendously, and I and I have no idea what the Libertarian Party will do. Otherwise, it might like there's a chance it could get like John McAfee, who is like oh, running God. from the law on charges of murder, uh, and, like, and then I'm like, no, I can't. Has, whose website is like, don't vote for me. Or yes. Yeah, and, it, like, and then oh, if, the, if the election is Trump versus Sanders, which I so hope it's not, I really want there to be a good libertarian candidate. Yeah. But, See, I don't. You, you, I don't. You do want it to be or you don't want it to I be? I don't want a, a libertarian <laughs> Oh, really? <laughs> well, I, not because, I mean, it, again, it's, I hate the two-party system, right? Like, I hate it. I preach, wish that preach, there were, sister. I, I wish mm-hmm. that there were a, a different way, you know, that we do things, but... I'm really scared of the left right now, and I don't want any votes from, you know, the Republicans to be siphoned off to another party. But it's the same way the Democrats feel about Schultz, right? I mean, yeah. they, right. they don't yeah, they want hate any... him. Right, right. But, but so I, a, I just, it's like, we are getting way it's, too it's, extreme it's a, here. It's a fair concern, but I'll, I'll say as a, like, as a very capital I, all bold independent, I don't have a default party. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I do see, in, in my mind, there are very clear distinctions between, say, like, Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren, who I think could wreck the economy, mm-hmm. versus, say, like, uh, John Hickenlooper, who strikes me, or, or Andrew Yang, both of whom strike me as, like, very pro-business Democrats. Oh, so, absolutely, but I, I'm operating under the assumption that, that neither it, of them it will be. Chance, it right? it so, won't be the ones that I like. It'll be the ones right. that I'm like, oh, right. no. So I'm, yeah, so I'm talking <laughs> yeah. about Bernie and Kamala and... Um, Corey, well, Cory Booker doesn't have a chance, wow. but Elizabeth, yeah. Elizabeth yeah, Warren, Gillibrand. Uh, I, I mean, it's just like, look at their policies. Those are so terrifying to me that I'm just like, okay, I hate this two-party system, but I don't feel like I have another choice right now. Yeah. I, go ahead. What, what I, when I kind of like, I thought about this over the weekend. This is my insurgent tactic. Is I think that um, <laughs> I think the Libertarian Party should pick swing states. Not, I wouldn't do it in a presidential election, but I would do it like. Uh, and just go, in, go into states and congressional districts that are swing and go, all we're going to try and do is burn down this election until you do ranked choice voting. We're just, all we're going to do is mess it up. We don't even, we're not, there's no game plan. We're just joker throwing matches on a pile of cash to let the house burn down until you give us ranked choice voting. And then we'll go back. And like, that would be great. Yeah, ranked choice voting, by the way, I, I, I'm very much in favor of. I would love to see that everywhere because that gives you a chance to, if you don't know how it works, basically you pick, you rank 
legitimately rank your choice. So you would say you could say like number one, Justin Amash, number two, Donald Trump, and your vote would default. Uh, if once Justin Amash is not in the top two, it would default to uh, to Trump. It cannot be spoilers in a ranked choice. There's no spoiler, and, and I like that a lot. Maine is the only state that is uh, that is implemented, and it's very new there. It did wind up turning an election too, yeah. in, in one of the first ones, and and, and it returned it against Republicans, and Republicans were not pleased with that, of course. Um, however, that's it's a much it's what people actually wanted, right. right? I mean, and so you know whether they pick Democrats or not. I mean, if that's what they want, that's what they want, and that's only one. I think I think it would help third parties uh, get going. I think it would have it would it would it would improve things, and it would let people get away from this idea yes. of binary choice, which I, I think is poison. I think yeah. that there would be I think there would be more people who would go out and vote. Yeah. If that were the case, right? Yeah. And on top of that, like, let's say, <clears throat> let's say, in, in this scenario, theoretically, you're a Democrat and you're a Republican. Oh, thanks a lot. And I, okay, you're the Democrat, <laughs> you're the Republican, uh, and I'm I'm third party. I'm what I'm I'm the Whig party, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, at that point, if you're trying to get the Whig party to put you as number two, you have to come like basically be like, hey, like, I can't convince you to vote out of fear because there's not an option here of like, oh, you got to vote for me. Right. It's like, no, actually, like, here are, the, here are the values that I hold. Here are the policies I have. I think yeah. that you would actually see a far more improved discourse in America if it was based on options, freedom, and like policy and thought rather than what it is right now, which is we're just going to scare people and we're going to scare them because we do, the parties don't want you to think. They don't want you to think. They want you to be afraid and they want you to default on a position of fear with whatever the home base is. And I think you'd see that move away. Yeah, um, I, I, I do think it would improve things. Um, I also uh, want to take a step kind of back to what we were just talking about with both Bernie Sanders and Andrew Yang, who both in the last few weeks have taken steps to go across the, their aisle and out of their bubbles to talk to the other side. You know, Bernie last night on, on Fox, and I think even a better example of it was Andrew Yang talking to Ben Shapiro a couple of weeks ago. I mean... I listened to the entire bit, uh, Andrew Yang uh, interview, and you know Andrew Yang is never going to convince me to vote for him, right? Like I'm never going to be like, ah, Andrew Yang, he's he's the greatest thing in the world. But you know what? I bet what was true with a lot of people who who like Ber- uh, like Ben Shapiro and listened to that Andrew Yang interview, I think they came away with the idea that. You know, I don't like his policies, but like I don't think he's going to burn the country down. Yeah. Yeah. And and that that difference for di- for uh, for a Democrat is huge. Yeah. I mean, if you can convince a, a Republican, someone who's listening to Ben Shapiro's podcast, to be like, oh, I mean, the guy seems like a good guy, seems like a smart guy, he's got ideas, and you know, he, some of them he's kind of coming at from interesting angles, even though I don't agree with where you know, kind of how he got there. I mean, I you know, I I've already I think I've already praised on this show that that interview, but it's like. You don't ever hear it. I ne- I do hear Democrat or Republicans go on Democratic networks like you know the CNNs and the MSNBCs and and they will grill them with tougher questions and and make them answer essentially for their side for that mainstream media sort of left leaning side. Very rarely do you hear see Democratic presidential candidates do the opposite. They'll occasionally go on Fox News maybe for a Brett Baer interview or something like that on the on, on the strict news side. But someone like Ben who is an opinion guy who's very well versed in the facts, who can kind of go back and forth with you, and if you screw up, he could he could trap you pretty easily. Yeah, I, Ben Shapiro is not the person I want to debate. Right. I mean, <laughs> it, uh, right. It's, he's tough, and so uh, you give Andrew Yang a lot of credit for walking in there and doing that, and going back and forth on policy in depth, almost no hype, almost no. Uh, hey, here's the controversial issue of the day. Let's talk about it. None of that in the interview. It was just depth and policy. And it was interesting, like Yang's approach to uh, you know, universal basic income, which I do not support at all. But his approach was different than I had 
pictured. Yeah. You know, he 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 was coming at it kind of more from the Milton Friedman sort of angle, um, which means he has no chance of winning this nomination. By the way, I want to make that very clear. <laughs> yeah. um, but like, it was interesting, and it was like it to hear him talk to someone that I respect actually opened me up a little bit to him to hear his, his views. And I, I don't know why they don't do more of that. I'm glad they don't do more of it because I, I think it would help them yeah. <laughs> quite a bit. Uh, yeah. But I, it's, a, it's good for, I think it's good for the debate and good for, you know, the Demo- Democratic parts of I'd, our republic. I'd like to see it on both sides. I mean, I think yeah. that that's a good thing, or, or I should say all sides because I don't see it really as a spectrum. Um, there, there's, a, there's a fundamental difference between viewing people you disagree with as being in error or being in sin. And it sounds like when, yeah. when someone like Andrea Yang goes on Ben Shapiro, He's crossing into that error camp where yeah. presumably the people that listen to him um, didn't think that he was you know, going to be the candidate they support. But at the same time, though, um, likewise, there's a difference between you're an opponent versus you're an existential threat and enemy. <laughs> right. And I do not think this realm of anyone I disagree with is an existential threat and enemy is a good place to be. I don't like, I don't like that um, living in the country right now, if someone across the street from you has the wrong colored sign, you're supposed to fear them. Yeah. Like, I, I want to move away from it that. Is, I will say it is difficult, though. I think, and this is kind of goes to what your point was, Sarah, a second ago, is that, like, there is a line in which they are an existential threat, right? Mm-hmm. Like, Adolf Hitler runs yeah, for yeah, president. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're like, there okay, is, yes. they are really there, there is, yes. And, like, I don't know what the line is, but it's not that far away from Bernie Sanders. <laughs> you know, I, like, I mean, I, and I think Bernie is, like, I respect him because he's an ideologue, and I like ideologues. I like people who have really formed ways of thinking that are, are coherent together. I think the, that's a good, a good thing, not a bad thing. But he's an ideologue. He's a socialist. Um, and, you know, I think socialism is really, really bad for people. I think it ruins, uh, you know, giant, you know, 100 million, you know, uh, uh, wide groups of people yeah. get killed from it in a century. Like, it's that bad. So I can understand, like, when you're looking at this and you're saying, well, look, I, I think Trump, I've complained about him many, many times on this show, and he's done some a lot of things that I don't like. He's done some things that I do like. Uh, I don't think I would get that uh, that much from Bernie Sanders. There wouldn't be a, a mix there. I think a lot of it would just be growing government, raising taxes, you know, all the things that I don't think are the right thing yeah. to do. So I think that's why I think a lot of times you get within that two-party system without ranked choice voting, you just don't get people even considering third options because to them, you know, it, it winds up being this life and death situation. I mean, I'm uh, a bit... Uh, maybe too realistic about how much my vote actually matters, and uh, you know, <laughs> frankly, so you yeah. sleep in. <laughs> yeah, I mean, honestly, it's like I mean, I've seen this is a very libertarian analysis. I think Reason even did this exact example at one point. But like, you are much more likely to die on the way to the polls yeah. in your car than you are to make the difference in the election. So we make these big, th- and especially if you're in a place like Texas, like someone was saying the other day, like, oh, I got to vote. You know, it's this. You know, I can't. You know, we have socialists. Well, it's like. If if Donald Trump is one vote away from losing Texas, he's lost. Right? Like the, the election, he's already down. It's already Mondale Reagan territory at yeah. this point. He's got no chance. So I mean, a lot of us make these. You know, if you're in Maryland, are you? I mean, are you making a binary choice? And the thing is, yes, people in Maryland, where it will be seventy to you know to twenty five. Most people will still vote on this binary yeah. choice m- motive, and I just think it's a it's a bad idea. I, I'm with you. Like, I've I've only voted in one election that was actually a swing, mm-hmm. and that was I was in Virginia in 2012, and I voted for Romney. Um, but you know, when I was in New York, I voted third party. Very likely, I'll vote third party in Texas. However, I have the safety of doing that because yes. the the system. Like, I know that all. I'm, it's a protest vote because it doesn't matter what happens. But if I'm in Virginia, I take it a lot more seriously. Yeah, yeah, I think that's true. I mean, although you know, it's again, it's it's it's. 
I always feel like you're making an individual decision. And if you're trying to make a strategic decision based on what other people are doing to influence mm-hmm. an, uh, an election, it's probably not the right way to go. You should do it's a should, sign of a problem with the system. Yeah, and you should just vote for who you really think would be the, well, the best president. I like where your head's at, too, because I think that we've gone from um, the, the, the uber-practical stew voting metric <laughs> to the quasi-strategic Heaton metric to what I'm disturbed by, which is voting is a sacrament. And it is a it is an expression of your group and who you commune with and a st- and like and I'm like uh, I think it's the exact opposite. It's ultimately entirely personal, entirely personal. I only think about my vote when I vote. And I I, I I used to do the strategic voting thing. I I mean I've been in states. Did you swing any elections? But yeah, you, I, I did you, three. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Nixon was yeah. was one of the big <laughs> ones. Um, but yeah, like you know, it's just like one of those things where like I. Never think about how I'm influencing an election. I only vote for who I actually think would be the right candidate. And I like, I, I can understand how most people most people look at this as like a it's a sporting event. And I think even if you don't look at it as a sporting event, uh, you look at it as a like a pragmatic exercise, uh, which I understand. But it's like so far fetched that your vote would be the difference. That you know, I mean, I just can't. You know, I, I just got to make the choice that I think is right. And I think that's. What most people do, like you might analyze it and say, okay, well, the thing I think is right is I got to make sure I'm on this side just in case it's a one vote margin. And that's totally fine. Yeah. Uh, All right. Yesterday's poll, should President Trump send illegal immigrants to sanctuary cities? (laughs) 92% of you said yes. 8% said no. Andrew, I'm curious uh, what your take is. I mean, I I missed this, um, but like I think two things are happening, right? Um, he's clearly trolling sanctuary cities. Yes. Like that's 100 percent what's happening. But like from a you know I'm I'm bullish on immigration, but it would make sense particularly with refugees if they don't have any money or anything. Why would you want them all congregating in one spot? Let's say you breed a slum. Yeah. Like it would seem to me that if you wanted to help people, that you would want to distribute them somewhat evenly throughout the country. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like rather than having them all in Laredo, Texas. Um, where they ha- where they haven't asked to be a sanctuary city, yeah, right? Right. or right. To where they haven't asked yeah. to house immigrants. And like you know, on that point, like the mayor of Seattle responded with an op-ed that said, uh, uh, "Like we're not afraid of immigrants, we'll take them." And I'm like, "Well, problem That's solved." Great. I, yeah, yeah. Right. Oh, it's a win-win. Yeah. 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 Uh, all right. Today's poll: Did you see your taxes decrease this year thanks to the Trump's Trump tax cuts? I mean, I feel like everyone should have seen that. It was a sixty the the sixty five percent to six percent I believe is the uh, lower to higher uh, tax uh, changes for people. So most people did see mm-hmm. a tax decrease. And if you're like me and everyone else in America, you'd filed your extension two days ago. I did too. Did you? Don't yes. know how much. I don't know. We'll see. I'm on an extension. I know. I you know. I mean, it, again. It, it's about your rate, right? It's not about your refund. Um, so I know I had to pay a giant chunk of money because of some, you know, various uh, circumstances. Bitcoin. However, yeah, yeah. <laughs> My, that, that hurt. That hurt signing that check. It's that Ethereum. Hurt. Ethereum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'll, it'll come back. <laughs> uh, let us know what your answer is at the Blaze's Twitter. That is at the Blaze. Thanks for joining us, gentlemen. We'll Thank see you. you tomorrow. Thanks for getting Glenn's blood pressure up today. Should I make it? Yeah. Thanks for listening to the news and why it matters. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you'd like to watch the program, become a Blaze TV subscriber and start your free trial now at blazetv.com.